Hello and welcome to Baptist Scotland section on uh, being a director's life with Marilyn Edmund. Baptist Scotland supports young people through events like these and runs a variety of masterclasses throughout the year to inform and inspire those looking to progress in film and television and the game industries. We'd love to hear about your highlights today, share them with us using the GYFF hashtag. Baptist Scotland is audio recording the session today and uh, will be available on the Baptist SoundCloud channel. Follow us with Baptist Guru and Baptist Scotland on Twitter and check out the Baptist Guru website for loads more interesting stuff. We're joined by me, Rosa, Seema, and Nadia, and the lovely Marilyn Edmund herself. <coughs> Marilyn began her career as an ongoing assistant in 2010 and is working as and was working as a floor runner at BBC Scotland's ongoing drama, River City. She has worked a variety of films, including Sunshine on Leaf, Under the Skin, and The Railway Man, to name a few. She has worked on many TV comedies and drama, including ITV's Benadrom and BBC's The Replacement. During her time working, Marilyn has learned how to make films and is, that with this knowledge, as experience has brought her during, <laughs> has brought her to debut her film, Connect, which has been selected for our Lundy Film Festival in October. So without further ado, let's start. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Firstly, do you want to tell a bit more about yourself and how Film Connect came about? Yeah, so as you heard in the intro, I was an assistant director for a few years and I worked on various things. So I was like a floor runner and then I was a third assistant director and a second assistant director. And then I stopped that when I had my daughter, and that obviously reduced the amount of work that I could do. Um, and then a couple of years, when she was about two, I decided that I wanted to make something, because that had always been... My dream was to produce, actually, originally, but I wanted to produce and direct films. And, of course, you end up working in the industry, and you end up doing other jobs, and you end up not being the director, the producer, and I was like, that's it. Now is the time. I'm going to do it. So... I decided that I wanted to make a film. And when I had been working on the TV series Outlander, I'd been getting extras and I had befriended a, a young man up north and we were mates and we became friends on Facebook and he had posted on Facebook about how his life was amazing and about three months later he had killed himself and I was I could not get that out of my head. and. And from the time that that happened and to the time that I decided to make a film, there had been so much in the media about male mental health. And I was like, you know what? It's a really important subject. I really want to make a film about it. And that was that. That was two years ago. So, yeah, I'll look back. <laughs> um, yeah, so in regards to the film Connect, how much initial, initial research did you have to like, look for to kind of get a base of the storyline? Um... I kind of, I never really researched like statistics and things like that. Obviously, I knew it was an issue, it'd been in the press and stuff. But I ended up actually researching people who had attempted it and failed for whatever reason. And that I found really inspiring because the majority of them really regretted it. And I was like, wow, like, I, I want to kind of do something that kind of identifies like you know shouldn't it be the end of the world and stuff like that and that kind of motivated me although I did find myself you know googling like popular ways to commit suicide and stuff which was no very 
pleasant to be looking up stuff like that. So I never kind of deep dived into it. I just kind of looked into what people had been writing about it, like in forums and stuff. And there was um, stories about guys who, you know, one guy had been stopped by a taxi driver. He was on a bridge. The taxi driver stopped and, like, made him get in the car. And, like, every day that taxi driver phoned him to make sure he was all right and stuff. It's kind of wee elements of that I kind of built into my script. But my script is quite... It's got like a nice even balance, I would say, between light and dark. Like there's a lot of humour in it, and for a film about male suicide, there's quite a lot of singing in it. <laughs> so most people wouldn't expect that. But I think you've got over that subject matter. So I didn't go too heavy in the male suicide, male suicide research. Um. Yeah. So, in a slightly light, lighter note, um, how did you break into the film and directing industry? And do you have any tips for anyone wanting to try and get into it? To get into the industry in general, basically I had done like an HND and TV production and then I ended up getting like River City, that was my first sort of full floor running job. But for the time that I graduated to the time that I got River City, was I probably like six or eight months or something. Um, and that was just me like every day emailing people like, getting names of people, going through film bang. Have you all heard of film bang? Yeah, so like just emailing like line producers and second ADs, being like, oh, I want to be a runner, I want to be a runner, blimey. Um, so yeah, just constantly bombarding people with emails is how I got into the industry originally. Um, but then like being a director, I just decided to do that off my own back. But having worked in the industry, you know, I had loads of contacts and new people, um, so it was probably much easier because uh, I had already worked in the industry. Um, shall we take a look at the trailer before we discuss anymore? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Marilyn, you wrote, directed and produced this film. Do you, in your opinion, think this is unusual for a debut feature? My advice to you is never try and direct and produce, ever. <laughs> it's far too stressful. But, um, no, I think, yeah, it was slightly ambitious and I think some of the crew that came on board when they read the script, like, for example, the costume department, who are obviously looking through that script, going, how many actors am I going to have to fit and what, how many costumes am I going to have to get? And they were like, oh... It's, it's not like two people in a room sitting talking like most sort of self-funded debut films. It's quite a big cast and you know, it's quite big pieces in it. Um, and I was like, yeah, so we're making it. <laughs> like, that was it. But, um, but no, I think it's slightly ambitious, but, you know, if, if, if I definitely had more money, I would have been bigger and better. But, um, but no, I, I think for what it is, but when I was writing it, you know, know that I would ever advise anybody and I don't do this anymore. Like, like I think when you write a script, you should just write whatever it is that you want to write. But there was definitely, when I was writing that, there was elements in it that I was like, oh, that would be really expensive or that would be really time-consuming. And I kind of avoided doing things like that. Um, but I would never recommend you do that. Always just write, put everything in. <laughs> yeah. Working with a creative team, how do you choose them? Because most of your important crew members were female. Was it a deliberate choice? 
No, it was like purely by accident. Um, so Laura Dinnett was my DOP and basically I had actually lined up somebody else to be my DOP and that never happened and I lined up somebody else and that never happened and Laura had, when she seen my crowdfunding in my Indiegogo, she was like, oh, you know, I would happily be your DOP and I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Like, you're, you're like me, you're, you know, that experience and I was hoping to get somebody slightly more experienced so that they could guide me like as a director but um, that ended up not happening but the reason that Laura, I picked Laura is because she was like so enthusiastic for the project and it got to the point where I was like do you know what your enthusiasm totally outweighs anybody else's experience because you're so passionate about my project and she definitely went like above and beyond as a DOP to like make this film and of course we shot it in 15 days so we were supposed to do like six days a day off and another six days and then you know her and Kevin were like let's shoot on the day off and I was like oh my god no I'm so tired and um but so so we did do stuff like that we ended up shooting for 15 days solid and like I just like I'm just obviously she shot helped me shoot such a beautiful film and like her enthusiasm was just enough for me, um. But then she brought her team, which coincidentally just happened to be a female gaffer, um, and the sort of producing side of the person that helped me, Jamie, she was female, so just ended up being the way it was. And her colorist was female, and her editor was female, and just these these are just people that I knew, although some of them I didn't know and some of them I didn't know. It was just coincidental. But I'm, I'm kind of quite happy that it's, it's like that. It's, it's, it's a nice, refreshing change. Um, so I think we're going to open for some questions from the audience. So if you guys have any questions, just put your hand up and Rosa will come around with the mic. Hi, so you mentioned you had a kid, and I was just wondering, because we were at a talk earlier, and they said that, you know, film consumes your life, and you were saying there you're on this really long shoot. And so I was wondering how you balance sort of film with your personal life, if you've made sacrifices and if it's possible to actually like achieve a balance there. I'm going to say no. <laughs> but <laughs> no, like, so, like, when I was a second DD, like, I was working, what, like, 12, 13 hours a day. And so when I had my daughter, I basically stopped doing that because, you know, sometimes you're doing a shoot that's up to, like, six-day weeks, so you know, for a Sunday, and I was just like, you know, you don't have a child to basically not see them, so for me, I was like, well, I'm not going to work as a second AD anymore, um, but when I came to the actual shoot, so me and my daughter, her, me and my daughter's dad are separated, so I was like, you know, it's your turn, you can, you can watch her for, a, for like three weeks or whatever, <laughs> I'm away to make a film, um, it was really bad, because I missed her third birthday, because I was shooting, but um, but now it is so time consuming the shooting side yet, but the rest yet is a quite achievable. Like if you're writing a script and developing a script, and then you start prepping it and everything, all that can be pretty much Monday, Friday, nine till five. But then the shooting definitely is like, you know, get somebody else to watch your channel because you need to dedicate yourself to that shoot. And then like same post productions more much more flexible unless like time efficient so you can kind of get away with it then um 
but yeah, it's just, I mean, it's achievable, but you, like, I've basically no socialised for the last two years because every waking second I get is, like, focus on connect, so, and even now, so I finished it in November last year, and I'm doing a Q&A tour in cinemas in October, and, like, I just do not have enough time, um, but you just kind of find time. For me, like, it's so, so sad, but, like, J.K. Rowling is my inspiration. I was kind of like, oh, when am I ever going to find time to do this? And I was like, if J.K. Rowling can find time to write Harry Potter, like, I can find time somewhere. So it would just be a case of, like, my daughter would go to bed, I'd get my laptop out, I'd be emailing, doing stuff, getting up early before she gets up, you're just, like, trying to carve in as much time as possible. But definitely, like, childcare or childcare and the industry do not go and it's really sad but um, there is people like Beck too and stuff that are now trying to encourage like job sharing and stuff like that so um, maybe if you like if I was a second AD so maybe sharing that job with somebody else and only working two or three days a week but ultimately you'll end up working in various locations in various countries or wherever places in the country or in the world and it's just not the best. My advice would be get a partner that's not an in industry. <laughs> Sorry for that long-winded answer. I was like, wow, you open up Pandora's box with the mother with the childcare. <laughs> Any more questions? Um, how did you find the process of writing the script for Connect, considering that your background is more in sort of unit directing? How I think, like, as an AD, like, I would have to go through scripts and break it down to so work at, like, what actors and what scenes and make sure that that matches the schedules so that all those actors are there and nobody's missed out. And then you're reading it thinking about extras and, well, that's a pub scene, how many extras? And, you know, you'll do, like, an extras breakdown <coughs> to... Like, I was kind of taught to break down scripts. So for me to come and write it as in the structure, as in the format of a script and everything, it's something I'm totally <laughs> familiar with, like... Somebody sent me one the other day in a Word document, and I was like, well, why is this in Word? <laughs> like, why is this still in Final Draft? Um, but that's, I was used to seeing it like that. So the format and everything was totally fine. So I was like, I know what a script should look like. I just need to fill in the blanks. And for me, the way that I did it was, like, I wrote it from start to finish. I was like, I don't know. I know how it starts, and I know how it ends. I don't know what the middle is. And I just kind of... Once I knew what the end was, I did like a sort of rough story arc. and it, But I think ultimately it gets to the point where you just have to start writing. And then once you start writing, you can change stuff, you can put it in, you can take it out. Like It's not completely concrete until you've obviously, you're completely happy with it. But, um, but no, I would like put all the stuff in, so I did like from start to finish. And then I'd go through it and I'd kind of like what I would, what I call layering. And I'd go through it and I'd be like, I need more drama in this layer, or I need more comedy in this layer. Like, and I would, so I would like have like my comedy brain on, and I'd go through it for comedy. And then I'd like go my drama brain on, and I'd go through it for drama. And then one day, which was probably the best thing I'd done, is I literally put every scene on a post-it on a wall and just looked at it and kind of reordered it. And then at that point, I developed another character, and I was like, right, well, he can be here, and he can be there, and he needs to be there. And, and that was really the, probably the best thing that I'd done to kind of restructure that. But, yeah, I think you kind of need to have your skeleton and then you can add the meat to it as you go. Thank you. We will come back at the end for more questions. 
Um, can you talk a little about the editing process? Can things really be fixed in the edit? Um, <laughs> there was a phase that I've grown to hate like now on set which is at what point are you going to cut and I get asked that quite a lot and I was like because like when you're shooting like generally people will shoot with full takes but then you know maybe if somebody sloughed their lines at the end you'll do a pick up and so people that I was working with I was experienced crew who were like you know, do we need to go again for the full thing or do you just want to pick up? And, you know, at what point are you going to cut? And I used to be like, um, um. And sometimes I totally knew it, but sometimes I never. And then what happened was I got into the edit and I was like, oh, wow, that, that's a brilliant take. Like, let's use that. Let's use the start of that take. And they go, well, you don't have the start of that take. And I was like, what? And they were like, well, that, that was a pickup. And I was like... No. So now, for me, if I ever shoot, like when I shoot something again, it'll be full takes forever. And if anybody says, "Where are you gonna cut?" I'll be like, "Get off my set now! I don't know." <laughs> but I think that as a director, like when you get into that edit suite, you want as much stuff to play with as possible. You don't want to limit yourself by going, "I'll just leave that. I'll forget that. I'll half shoot that or whatever." when you get there you just you want so much to play with basically and the more the better as far as I'm concerned but we do have some clips so I'm going to explain this scene and so in the script this scene is um, Kevin's character Brian has been at work and we've heard that some man has died and we don't know how he's died and so after work he leaves and we see him go to this cliff top and there's flowers and he's supposed to like look over the cliff and sort of think about his own life and his mentality. And then what was supposed to happen was some guy was supposed to walk past with a dog and like disrupt that thought process and then wander off. And um, and basically we did this one night and we did like a wee cheeky late night shoot, which we should, which was meant a really long day basically. Um, and we kind of rushed this. And the next again day when I seen it with the editor, I was like, what is that? Like, what is that scene? And they were like, that's the flower scene. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's crap. Like, it doesn't even cover the scene. Like, so we're going to show you what I shot originally. And I, I think we'll talk about why it's really crap. And then you'll see what I ended up having to reshoot and turn it into. So I think we should play the first clip, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the lens that he's looking over is actually like a two foot drop and the first time the dog went over the <laughs> like the dog had jumped off the cliff but like, but like that we rushed that and it was so bad like we shot can you can you put like a frame of that on at all so we can see like the image here, or just at any point like as long as Kevin's sort of in the middle of the frame but um but like we shot far too late at night like it's not lit in the slightest at all um, and of course like Kevin's looking over the edge there and he's acting his wee socks off and I don't capture any of that and we had done like a close up on the flowers so it kind of went flowers shot flowers and I was like oh my god that tells me nothing um, so yeah it's like too dark the, the framing's really bad yet like everything is wrong with it like even how the dog comes along the lot and I was just like, no, we need to go back and shoot this. So you can... Um, but also, in this first one, this is literally just one take that we've done. And 
nothing's been done to this, but in the second one, you'll see that it's been graded and music's been advertised. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, basically, I hadn't covered, like, the first scene. Like, I had nothing to cut to. There was nothing... Was not covering his face? There was like I had no options. Do you know what I mean? I had that one take, and I was like, "This is dreadful." Like I couldn't even salvage it with other shots. So I think definitely, like, if there's any advice I'd give you, is just make sure you get as much coverage as possible. But um, but I think that second one kind of also enhances like how much music and grading and stuff really can totally change it and like lift it to another level yeah um so you wrote this film while you were writing it did you have any certain actors in mind no mm. no i never actually that's weird i don't, I don't know who was thinking when i wrote it No, I never had any. But I mean, so I kind of wrote it and then I was like, who am I going to get to do this? And obviously Kevin, I had worked with Kevin like three times. So we did Sunset Song and Barney Thompson and Sunshine and Leaf together like consecutively. So we were always bumping into each other and always on the same job. And then, yeah, I just, I phoned Kevin and I was like, hi, I've like, not seen you for like three years or something. How are you? Oh, I've got a child now and making this film and... Um, and he was like, yeah, send me the script. And then he phoned me back like two hours later and was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, really? Like, that easy? Like, okay then. Like, oh, oh, brilliant. So, but then after that it was brilliant because then it just kind of snowballed into, and we got loads of really great casts. But um, but not I never wrote it with anybody in mind. That's, I don't know. I think maybe that, I probably wouldn't do that actually in case I end up not getting that person, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, with the cast, um, did you have any specific directing techniques that you used before and during like the process? Um, I think I learned a lot from the cast really in this. Like, so like obviously I wrote the script and, you know, I think when you start writing scripts, you write them really explanatory you're always like oh I feel really sad today and it's like very obvious and like the actors would say to me like you know see this scene we could probably cut it in half because it's maybe a bit repetitive we're saying the same thing in two different ways or whatever we could um, take some of the dialogue out and also like actors really want to act like they want to use their face and they want to convey that emotion and they, they really thrive with that. So I learned that, you know, it doesn't need to always be dialogue and that the actors can say stuff with their faces without actually having to speak. Um, so I kind of learned for them, really. But for me, I just wanted different to be natural. So if it's like, you need to go from there to there, what would you have possibly been doing? Or like what's the most natural thing? Like, I, it bugs me when I watch stuff and people are just, you can tell they're just doing it for the sake of doing it rather than it's a natural process. And I think uh, yeah, I'm all about keeping it natural as much as possible. But I like working with the actors and I like hearing what they think because like, they think about their character in depth and like they're so in that zone and they might come up with something that you've no thought of. And 
and they'd say, I think my character would do this, and you go, oh, yeah, so that's a valid point, you do that. Um, or sometimes you're maybe like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I think because I wrote it, like, it was all in my head, and I, like, I knew who Brian was and what Brian's thinking was at every point in that script, so I could easily relate to Kevin if he was saying, you know, in this scene, should I maybe be quite happy? And I'd be like, no, 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 you're sad in this scene, or vice versa, Brian. So it was... As I think it's better to embrace the actors than to kind of just expect them to do what you want them to do. But it's more like a collaboration. Shall we take a look at Kevin in action? Oh, yeah. It's like a wee montage. And I think, like, when we shot this, I was so focused, because we shot in such a short period of time, I was always focused on, um, like, dialogue scenes. I'd be like, no, we don't need a shot of him walking on the street. It needs to be dialogue all the time. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, and then when I put the film together, there was definitely points that I was like, oh, this is like scene, 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 and there was kind of nothing in between. Um, and I think that moments like that, we montages that kind of link stuff and help it breathe, and it's it's really nice. And I really undervalued them, like during the the process. Of, but then all these like tiny wee cutaways, whether it's like close ups of drinks and um, shots of him just walking from his house to the shop, like like now I'm I'm so big on these now, and they can be really good and creative. They can be really scenic and um, and I think make it look really beautiful. So I would always say factor that in when you're thinking about linking stuff together. Um. Yeah. So. What was your role in the editing of the film? Oh, um, all I remember is that we put it all together and I was like, this is crap, I hate it, it's so crap. And then we went away and we did like a day of pickups. So, um, basically, it was quite, I think, well, the editor was basically, we were assembling as we were going, so I kind of knew roughly what every scene was going to be like and my editor fine cut it. But there would be times where she would maybe play a bit with it and she would send me and I'd go, oh, I never thought about that, that's really good. Um, and there was like one scene I was like, oh, I really wish I'd got a scene I'm like looking at his guitar, like, you know, he wants to play music or whatever. And we ended up she doubling a shot and putting it in a, a bit of a montage. And, and I was like, oh, that works. <laughs> she done it and I was like, oh yeah, that works well then, yeah. Um, so for me, like, I think as the director, I feel like even in the shooting process and even in the editing process and that, 